Well, good morning. So, um, Hope Church, as Daryl has said, is our tagline is helping people connect with God. And I'd like to expand that to say Hope Church is about helping people connect to God through Jesus Christ's Son and to grow in their faith in Christ. It's not just a matter of reaching them, getting them across the line of faith. We want them to grow up in their faith. And that's essentially what our, our goal is. And as we read the New Testament, it's very clear from the Gospels and the book of Acts that Jesus didn't mean for us to have a, a limiting factor on how many people we reach. And that's why we believe that we're, we're here in this community as a church family to reach as many people as possible for Jesus Christ. And there's no limitation on that. So we're, we're looking at, and as you saw, saw the different iterations of our building uh, and the process here in the Kennedy campus, it's changed. When I first came here, it was 16, 17 years ago, I had a phone conversation with Tom Keeper, who's sitting in the back back here, and Tom was the chairman of the uh, deacon board at that time. And we found out pretty quickly we were kindred spirits. We had the same kind of drive and the same kind of push and had a dream about what this campus could look like. And we thought a thousand people and now we're there. And so we say, OK, so what's next? What does it look like next? Because we don't believe it's right for us to say, OK, we've reached our limit. Hopefully you'll find somewhere else that you can worship somewhere else that you can find Christ somewhere else that you can grow in your faith. We believe that we need to do more. And that's kind of what this is about. This series that we're going to talk about this month and essentially what I'm going to share with you in the next few minutes. So, this is one of those messages where I got done and we went to dinner and then I got home and my wife gave me a 15 or 20 minute counseling session <laughs> that I really needed. Um, and really what it came down to was, I want to talk this month on generosity, and I want to talk about money, and I really struggle with that a lot. And the reason I struggle with it, I can ask you to serve, I can kick you in the butt and say you ought to get out and serve. In fact, that's what we did last month, right? I have no problem with that. But when I start talking, and I was just kind of talking with Carol, I'm thinking, I'm struggling with this, and I, and I, I, I know Jesus said a lot, he said more in the Bible about money and the power of money than he did anything else. It's, it's, so I have to teach on it so it's not that. What is it that I'm struggling with? And the answer is, it's being perverted so badly in the church today. Televangelists, people on TV, God wants you to be rich. I don't want that to be who I am. I don't. So it's like it stinks so bad that I don't want to even get in the middle of it. And you may be here and I'm going to talk about money this morning. I'm going to talk about generosity and you're going to go, there you go again. There's another church. It's all about money. And you're going to. And I just want to say to you, keep your money. I don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want your money. If that's your attitude, we don't want your money. We don't want anything to do with your money. Just come and take. Don't give us anything, please. Because this isn't about that. It really isn't. This is about us being a community that cares about this community and says we want to reach this community with what we believe is the life-changing gospel. 
that will change lives, that will heal marriages, that will bring hope to people who don't have hope. That's what it's all about. And we don't believe that we can say, oh, we've reached our limit. That's it. We're done. So we've really tried to think through how do we grow bigger because we don't think God said stop growing, stop reaching people, (laughs) at least while we're here on this planet. So we said, okay, can we expand this building? Well, not really easily. If we could take the, the drywall off, you'd see it's a steel building. It'd be a really nightmare to expand. And we'd have to move out for almost a year. And we'd have to spend a lot of money doing it. So that's not going to work. We'd have to buy more land. And So we said, okay, what if we purchased a piece of land? And what if we built on that? Well, we could do that. We may do that in the future. But that's going to take time. That's expensive. But what if we were to find a building somewhere? And what if we could renovate that building and it could be comparable, similar in size to what we have here, and we could do those campuses, and we, we could do campus, we could do ministry both here and at this other campus, Roshek Building, insert Roshek Building here. What if we could do that and we could have a worship space that's equal to that? What if we could have ministry instead of having it three hours on a Sunday, we could have it all week long, and we could have same, some of the same ministries we have here, maybe most of them, and then maybe have some specific ones that would reach a different group of people in that community. And we could, and we can. And the price tag is about $1.5 million, which sounds like a lot of money, but when you think about it, it's not for what we can do and how quickly we could do it. So that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um. You know, over the years, hope has had steady growth, and we expect that to happen. So we're looking down the highway, and we see, okay, we've got a problem down here because we're going to run into a wall, and we've got to, we, we don't think the, the, the answer is to put the brakes on and stop the car. We think we need to keep going. So the members, we met this last week in this room at 5 o'clock to 6.30 or so, and we had a potluck. We had a, a congregational vision gathering. We voted on things. And by the way, the potluck was pretty good. And I waited till the end of the line to go through the line. And there was good food even at the end of the line. But I hit the dessert first. You always got to hit the dessert. If you're at the end of the line of a potluck, go to the dessert table first. You'll get the prime uh, dessert. And then you can get what's left over. <laughs> anyway, we had a great time. Good, good spirit. And the congregation voted overwhelmingly to move forward with the Roshek building, which is great. That's great. That's a wonderful answer. And that's what we've been praying for, that that would happen. And it has. But here's the deal. That was the first vote. So there's not one of these cards in front of you because they were in front of you. And then the group from the last service took them all. But we will have them, and there may be in front of you, and it's called the ground up. And this is really a commitment card, and it says, I'm absolutely committed to the future of Hope Church reaching the community. Now, let me just say to you, I'm not speaking to you if you're new to Hope. I'm not speaking to you if you think we want your money. I'm speaking to those people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm part of this community, and I want to be part of the next step. Because Keeper, Tom Keeper, was part of a group of people that said, hey, we think we can move from this 
school to the, to this land and move from this land to this building. And now we're standing on their shoulders and we're, I believe this is one of the, the key decisions this church is ever going to make as far as we move forward and we influence and we bring the gospel to even more people in this community. And, and this is, this is the next vote. The polls are open and this is the next vote because this is going to be how are we going to get to that goal? Now, let me tell you where we're at so far. So we voted on this as a congregation. It was an overwhelming vote by the members. And then we revealed, because we wouldn't want to do this out of order and reveal how much people had pledged. But people, as of what I know right now, have pledged 59 households have pledged $295,000 towards this. So we need 1.5 million to do this. So we're on, it's a good start, but we've got a, a ways to go. So the first vote was yes. The next vote is going to be determined to be determined. The polls, as I said, are open. We are not going to accomplish this without God's help. We know that. We've been praying about it for a, for a long time and we've been asking God for his leading and his guidance. And it's kind of like this football games today, right? Okay. So the coach says, run this play. And the quarterback, you hand it to the running back. Running back, you run to this hole. And the guards are going to open up this hole and you're going to run through it for a touchdown. The only problem is you run to the line and there's no hole there. But that's kind of what we felt like we've been doing for the last number of months. We've been Last year, we've been running, trying to check a hole. Will this, will this work? Will this work? No, it won't. Yeah, well, no. And all of a sudden, this hole opened up called the Roshik Building. And it, it's opened up more and more and more. Now, here's what I want to challenge you to do. We have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to visit the Roshik Building. Maybe you weren't able to go on the tours. Um, this is going to be up to you. You can make it whatever you want it to be. It's going to be Sunday afternoon, 19th and the 26th. Dave Clark and I will be there. Some of the staff will be there. Some of the elders will be there. But you could just walk through the building and spend 10 minutes, walk through and leave. You can bring your kids. I think we're going to have popcorn or something like that. I don't know what we're going to have. We'll do something like that. Um, you may want us to be, go on a tour. You know, we have tape down. You know, like when dead bodies are there and you tape the dead bodies. No, we don't have any of that tape, but we have tape down to show the proportions of the building. We have, like, you know, pictures of what a, that was pretty dark, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, but you can come and you can see, and if you want to, us to answer questions or you have, well, what's going to be, you know, all that stuff, we, we'll be there. And you can just come at your leisure and do that. So we want to get you engaged in this, and we're going to do that. So, but we can't do this without God and we can't do this without you. I guarantee you this, we're going to look back in five years and we're going to say this was a huge step for us to take. Just like it was for the people from Eisenhower, Tom, to go from Eisenhower to this campus and buy three and a half acres of land and put up a building that's right over there right now. It's being used by the children. Just like the community that voted to do this and some of you your lives were turned by this place because somebody invited you and you came to know Christ. Somebody invited you and your marriage got healed. Somebody invited you and you found hope. And that's what's going to happen at the Roshek building. And, and I want you to be part of it. You have to be part of it because we can't do it without you. Now, I just want to speak to those of you 
who are attending Hope, and this is your first time or two at Hope. But let me put a disclaimer on first and say something else. This is all making sense up here, but I don't know if it is down here. So I'm putting a disclaimer out to say this is how we're doing it. It's not a knock on how other people do it, other churches do it. So I'm not making a statement about other churches. I'm just saying who are we at Hope and what are we doing? We're not going to have a bake sale. We're not going to have a fall carnival. We're not going to do some thing to get you to give so that we can do this. Why? We want to be a church that says, we're not here to take, we're here to give. We want, I would love to see most of the people that come to Hope say, I'm here because you sent me a postcard. And there's a whole bunch of people standing there at the War Memorial saying, thank you. And somebody wrote on a card, thank you to me. And I thought, I got to get, figure out who this church is because that was really touching by the way, we're out of those postcards. We'll have those next week. Because <laughs> some of you are asking, you know, maybe you haven't seen them. But you, but we, but I, oh, I'm here because you helped me out. You gave my kids a Christmas present. Or I'm here because you did this or whatever. I, we want to be a church that's, that, that, that we're in this community to give to this community, not take. So I want to speak to those of you that maybe this is your first few times or your first time here. You go, oh, there it is, the money again. Yeah, you're right. You got me. And that's kind of what I talked to Carol about last night. I just said, you know, this is I'm struggling with this. I just um, you've picked a tough time to visit Hope because I just got done a month ago. The last month we talked about serving and I just said, you got to get out and serve. God has given you gifts and abilities. They're not for you. They're to serve other people. And we sent teams out all over the city on two weekends and just said, serve, serve, serve. Right? And so now I'm going to say, give, give, give. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. So, you know, you're in the middle of uh, two different series of messages where we're saying, serve, give, sacrifice. So if you're looking for a comfortable, feel-good, don't ask too much of me, you should just be glad I'm here, church. Yeah, that's probably not going to be us. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we're taking a big step, but we can't do it without you. And so um, these cards, we'll have those in the pews, uh, chairs. Excuse me, I slipped. Uh, you can pick them up or you can go online and you can pray about pledging because ultimately we're not going to do this without your help. But I believe that if you join us, you're going to join something that's super big. And I believe God is going to do more, bringing more people in his kingdom. He's going to heal more marriages. He's going to bring more hope to people. And you're going to be part of it. And and I want you to be part of it. And so... Um, I want to pray to that, to that end, and I want to lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we, we realize that you are leading hope to do what you've called hope to do. We're not other churches. We are hope. And you've called us to reach out in the way that you've gifted and equipped, it, equipped us and given us a vision for. We pray that we would step up and that we would 
carry out the mission that, you, that the leadership feels that you've called us to do. We don't want to close our doors. We don't want to limit how many people we can reach. We want to reach as many people as possible for your kingdom, for your glory. We want marriages to be healed. We want lives to be changed. We want hope to be restored. We want joy to be part of it. And Father, we want your generous heart to be a reflection of our hearts. And that's why we're going to spend some time talking about that. But Father, show us what we need to know before we need to know it. Give us wisdom. Help us not to walk ahead of you or behind you, but right alongside of you. And as you do this, Father, we just thank you for leading us and for, for the many that people that went before us at Hope that kind of led us to this place in this time for such a time as this. And so guide us in our hearts as to what part we'll play individually. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want to talk about, I believe that Christians ought to be the most generous people on the planet. But I don't think we are. At least we're not perceived that way, right? How are Christians generally perceived? They're judgmental. They're arrogant. They're know-it-alls. You know? They're not seen... You know, the first word that comes to your mind, or born-again Christian or evangelical Christian or... You know, they, they... Fanatic, nut job, you know, judgmental, crazy, you know. It's not generous. It's not loving. And so, I think that... That might, I think that the, what I want to talk about this morning is this, that Christian generosity comes from reflecting on our generous Father in heaven. That's where, Christ, that's where generosity has to come from. It's not going to come out of guilt or out of manipulation. It's going to come when, when our heart is in beat with His heart. And when, when our hearts are in tune with one another then generosity will be a, a characteristic of our life because it's who is. Think about this. What is the one verse that everybody, in the, everybody knows in the Bible? It's John 3.16. And John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave. And He didn't just give. He gave His Son, His only begotten Son. Now, you just stop there and you say, there it is, right there. That's the most generous thing that has ever been done in the whole universe. In all of time as we know it, there's never been anything greater than that one phrase. That God loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son for you and for me. That's it. I mean, game over. There it is. It's, it's, that, that's all that needs to be said. And, and it says in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says this. Because you say, what about Jesus? God's Son. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. Though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty He could make you rich. And by the way, He's not talking about making you monetary rich. He, he's not talking about giving you more money. That's not what it's talking about. Frankly, if that's all it's about, then we're very shallow people. And I just want to say one other thing. Some people have said to me, 
You only care about helping lost people. You don't care about Christians and helping them grow. Well, if that's true, then I would never do a sermon like this. Because, frankly, what am I talking about? It, Paul, the, the verse I just read is out of Corinth. You know anything about the church of Corinth? What did Paul say? Paul said, they were saying, we're very, we're very spiritually mature. And, and some Christians say, well, I have a lot of spiritual knowledge. Good for you. Paul says, you may have knowledge, you may follow great teachers, but you know what? You don't love each other. In fact, I've got to go up a whole chapter in 13 that we read at weddings, but it's really directed at the church saying, I've got to tell you, I've got to spell out what love is because you don't get it. You're not mature because if you're mature, you treat each other different. You would love one another. You'd forgive one another, but you're not doing that. So let me tell you what love is. It's part of maturity. You grow in your love, not your knowledge necessarily. Knowledge is important, but acting on that knowledge is important. Loving is important. And, and then Paul basically says, money is a big thing. Jesus said more about money than he did in any other subject. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. What is he saying there? What did he say to the rich young ruler? He says, if you want to come and follow me, get rid of your wealth because you can only have one God and it's me. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't choose you. And he went away sad without hope because his hope was in money. So Christian maturity is about saying there's a wrestling match going on in our hearts right now of whether money is going to be our source of security, our source of significance, or God is going to be. It's a wrestling match that many of us wrestle with more than others. And Jesus knew that. That's why he talked a lot about it. And he's saying, you want to be a mature Christian? Well, you're going to have, a, you're going to, have to battle this whole thing in our culture in our American pop culture that says it's okay to be rich and spend everything on yourself and give God a tip every now and then. So I'm talking to Christians now. I'm talking to Christ followers. I'm talking about a battleground that many of us don't even want to think about. But we battle it every day. God gives us gives generously. He gives us His very best. God doesn't give what he doesn't value. In fact, he gives us his prized possession. Do you remember at the baptism of Jesus? It says that Jesus came up out of the water and then the spirit of God came down upon him like a dove. And then a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. This is my treasured son. This is my one and only son. This is my son, my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus left his vast riches to become poor for us. And that's just a mere summary of his earthly life. Jesus was the chief of generous givers. He's our example for generosity. I love how Jesus doesn't ask us to do something and he he doesn't already do. He doesn't say sacrifice, even though I won't. He says, sacrifice, and now I'm going to give my life for you. He says, forgive, and now I'm going to forgive you. He says, love, and now I'm going to love you. So he says, love, sacrifice, give like I have already done for you. Just follow my example. That's all I'm asking. Jesus gave it all up for you. He left everything for you. Now, it may be that some of you are here and you say, Pastor, I think we all do this. We all think we're above average, which we can't all be above average. We all think that we're pretty generous. We all don't think we're rich doesn't matter how much money you have, you'll never feel like, well, I'm rich. 
But, but did you know this? That if you earn around $30,000, you are in, you are, there, you are in 5%. 95, you're richer than 95% of the rest of the world. Did you know that if you earn $30,000, you are richer than 95% of everyone on this planet? And by the way, you can go back in time and add them too, and you would, you'd be above them. And, you just, and that's just wealth. Just think about health care. Just think about clean drinking water. Just think about freedom. All of that that we have. We are head and shoulders in America Far above the rest of the world. So you are millionaires compared to the rest of the world. It just all depends on who you compare yourself to, really. But let's just think, let's just assume that we feel like we're generous people. It may be that you're here and you say, Pastor, I feel like I'm generous. I tithe. Now, some of you may not know what a tithe is. A tithe is, in the Old Testament, a tithe was giving 10% of your income to God. It was beginning. It was giving the first fruits of your crops. It was giving you know, the best of your animals to God. That's what a tithe was. And it wasn't, it wasn't like do it if you feel like it. Do it if you think it, you can spare it. It was, this is what you do. This is part of, this is standard operating procedure for a follower of God. Now, in the New Testament, it says this. It says, on the, and this is Paul in 1 Corinthians, it says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. And so what Paul is referring to is he's just affirming the tithe. And he's not saying, well, this is extraordinary. Well, how generous could you be? He's just saying, this is standard operating procedure. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to call you out. Because, frankly, I'll let the Holy Spirit do it. He does a better job than I do anyways. But think about that. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you tithe? If you're like the national average, 25% of Christians tithe. 25%. All right? So, in a sense, if you think, well, I tithe and I'm, I'm generous, well, <laughs> standard operating procedure. Um, you remember, remember, do you remember, <laughs> you see, this is, this is, this is, we're, we're, this is big, big, big boy stuff, right? This is grown-up stuff. This is not... And by the way, if you're just visiting, you're saying, oh, he just keeps talking about money, money, money. Okay, I know you tuned out. I get that. I'm sorry, but this is for those that say, I'm a follower of Christ and really, really want to grow. And this is the hard stuff that we have to hear and we have to talk about because this is part of how we grow in our faith, that we're challenged in areas that we've kind of made these... these we've kind of put our arms around and said, don't go there, and we're going there. And frankly, I'm not getting any benefit off of this other than I'm getting stressed out and having to have counseling sessions with my wife. That's essentially all I'm getting out of this. <laughs> but do you remember the, the widow and her mite? She brought these little coins and she dropped them into the plate or in the, the, the treasury at the temple. And, and Jesus said, whoa, that was incredible. Are you kidding me? Did you see that? And the disciples are going, What? Two coins is nothing. This guy put in a lot more. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, how can we in our day understand what was going on there and what Jesus was saying? The principle kind of blows me away. So let's just say that one of the richest men in the world, Warren Buffett, attended Hope Church. Right? He's a billionaire. I mean, I don't even know what you do with a billion dollars. I have no idea what you do. And... So let's say he comes and he gives Hope Church over the year, 
$100,000. That's a lot of money. That's more money than I make. (laughs) It's twice as much as I make. Whatever. I mean, it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, right? And let's just say that there's another family, another household in our church, and they they make $30,000. And they give $3,000 to Hope. Which one is going to be the most impressive to you when you hear it? Warren Buffett gave $100,000. Wow. Percentage-wise, the person that gave $3,000 gave 10%. I'm pretty sure. I'm not, I haven't done it with a calculator or anything. But I'm thinking $100,000 is not 10% of a billions of dollars. What Jesus was saying about this woman is, I'm not impressed with the amount of money you give. I am impressed with the percentage of what you give. Think about that for a moment. That'll blow your mind, won't it? And so Jesus is saying, generous people don't talk about the amount. They're looking at the percentage. And they're understanding there's a battle going on in their hearts for money. That Jesus said money is is a powerful influence to control and take your heart if you're not careful. So, by the way, I did a little research because I was just intrigued by Warren Buffett. And he started, and you, many of you already know this, he and uh, Bill and Melinda Gates started a foundation, and they call it the Giving Pledge. And you have to be a billionaire to be part of the Giving Pledge. And the goal of the Giving Pledge is to give away our money either while we're living or after we're dead, and giving it for the betterment of the planet Earth. Whatever that is, however you want to invest, doesn't matter. Just give it all away. And they sign a pledge that they will give it all away. Because they're saying, hey, you know what? I have all this money. Maybe it's not all for me. Maybe I should use it to help other people. Well, that's a great idea. So you've got Bill and Melinda Gates. You've got... Um, Warren Buffett, there's about 300 people that do this. You have uh, Paul Allen, Microsoft. Mark Zuckerberg, many of you use his Facebook, right? And then there's another one, and this is, this is the fun one. I, I enjoy this part of the sermon. <laughs> um, so there's this, this lady that I looked up, and I said, well, how did she make her Billions of dollars. I'm going to say her name, and you don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, you can. Um, so, her name is Sarah Blakely. Anybody know how Sarah Blakely made her millions, billions of dollars? Yeah, I didn't think so. Spanks. Now, some of you say, What? What did he say? What, what spanks? What spanks? All right. If you're a guy and you don't know what spanks are, just ask your girlfriend, your wife, your sister. Maybe not your sister. I don't know. But you, 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 if you want to, you can ask them. They can tell you what spanks are. Can you imagine that? She made billions of dollars with spanks. God bless her and God bless America. <laughs> Here's what Paul says about generosity. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. 
And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And that verse has been so perverted by televangelists saying, you give to God and God owes you. You know what? Jesus basically gave up all of his riches and he became poor so that you could become rich. And it wasn't so that you could be financially rich. It was so that you could have your sins forgiven. So that you could have hope. So that you could have joy. So that you could have heaven. That's the riches. Because these riches here on earth, they're gone. Once you die, they're gone. And, and that's what this, these people in this foundation understand. I should use this money to help other people because when I'm gone, it's gone. But we know that Jesus says you will be rich. So he says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So how does God want you to give? He wants you to give cheerfully, generously, sacrificially. Why? Because that's how he gives. Jesus set the example of, for generosity in His incarnation. The incarnation is where Jesus came from heaven and became a man. Took upon him, his, Himself human flesh. He was born in a manger. He, he became a man. That's incarnation. That's generous. That He left His riches and became... He was born in a stable somewhere. He was born in a backwards town to a backwards family. He left His throne where... He was over all the earth and he gave it all up in his incarnation. And he kept showing his generosity in his atonement. And his atonement is where he took himself and placed himself on the cross and gave his life for us and paid the price for our sins. That's how Jesus did it. He went from wealth to poverty so that we might go from poverty to wealth. He is our model. He, this is our calling. We are called to follow his example. God also gives actively. God's love isn't well-meaning. It's actively effective. God doesn't just wish us His best. He gives us His best. He doesn't just contemplate leaving. Jesus didn't contemplate leaving the, His throne and climbing up on the cross. He did it willingly. God proved His love by His action. God always acts out His love. And that's the, the important thing. Many times, you know, there's people in your life, there may be just a few people, but you know that they have made sacrifices for you. They've given out of their, not out of their extra, not out of their abundance, but out of their need. They've given you when you knew they didn't have much to give you, but they gave you because they love you. And, you know, love means nothing unless it's acted out. Think about that. When you say, I love you, some, can I just speak to the husbands here just for a minute? Some of you have never said to your wife, I love you. And, and that's too bad. You ought to start. Some of you ought to not just say, I love you to your wife, but you ought to prove it. Because your actions are where your love gets legs. You prove to them that you love them by your actions. When you're willing to sacrifice for your wife, when you're willing to... And that's true of any relationship. You know the people that love you. You know the people that when you were in a gym and they had, a, if they had to sacrifice their time or they had to sacrifice money, they would be there. They had your back. You know that. Why? Because they love you and their love isn't just, well, I hope things work out for you. It's like, hey, I'm there. I'm there. Whatever you need, I'm there. That's love. That's what God did. God didn't say, you know, I hope it works out for you, you know. God gives sacrificially. He gave His Son. 
Great, Jesus said this, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. There's nothing greater, there's no further command than you can make, that you give your life. We talk about soldiers who have given their lives to save their brothers and sisters in arms. And we say it's the highest sacrifice that could be ever made. And Jesus is the front runner of that. Generosity doesn't happen until sacrifice occurs. When we are put out and we put ourselves out and we, be, we, uh, we are beginning to show generosity, until we come to grips with the cross of Calvary, until we see the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, until we understand what He gave up for us, until we are stunned and amazed by His generous sacrifice, we have little reason to be grateful or generous. What I'm telling you is, I can't make you feel guilty to be generous. It won't work. I can't compel you to be generous because I make a good argument. The only way that you will become generous is when you look to your Father in heaven and you look to Jesus on the cross and you see how generous He has been to you. And when that begins to break your heart, you will find that your heartbeat will become His heartbeat and so on. And you'll become generous just because of what He's done for you. And I believe that one of the reasons that Christians get off track is because they've stopped looking at the cross. They've stopped being amazed by what He's done for us. And we just have forgotten it. And when we grasp on to His love for us, and we understand generosity of the Father that has been poured out beyond our wildest expectations, then generosity will begin to flow in our lives. Generosity is one of the most natural ways to express gratitude and faith. When you give generously, sacrificially, and actively, you model Christ who did the same for you. All right, so here's what I want to challenge you to do. Generosity can be directed, and, and certainly I would love to see you direct your generosity towards Hope Church and our mission. And it doesn't, you don't have to use, use this card. You can go online to do it. Like I said, the, the polls are open. Now, let me tell you where we're at. I've already told you how much has been committed to the program, uh, to the, the Roshek campus. Um, Carol and I have been tithing since we arrived here at Hope Church. And we don't see that. I'm not saying that to say, hey, look at us. I'm just saying we just we take God's word seriously. And I'm not going to ask you to do something that we're not already doing. And it hasn't always been. We, we do more than that. We, we actually give more than that because kids say, hey, I'm going on a missions trip. And you say, what are you going to say? No. Right. We, just got what we, we get them all the time. I mean, it's hard to say no to any of them. All right, so, so we, we tithe, and that's what we've done. And, 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 and we have committed to this, this, this capital campaign. We've committed to it. Carol and I are committed to it. The elders are committed to it. The staff are committed to it. But I just want to say to you, just in case you're, you're wondering, I have five boys for the last 11 years. We have had at least one kid in college, sometimes two. All right? So I just want to, want to be straight up with you. This is not easy. This is a sacrifice. This is a struggle. We have to say, okay, what are we not going to do so that we can do this? 
That's what we're talking about. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I just want to tell you, we are all in on this thing. So I'm not going to ask you to do something we're not already doing. Our elders are in on this. Our staff are in on this. But I want to just ask you one question. We'll close with this. What if your giving, your generosity, what if it had the effect of doing what the generosity of the folks that began in Eisenhower as they moved to a campus and they began to reach this community? And then as we moved into this building and we wrote names of people that we were praying for, that they would come to Christ, that their marriages would be healed, that they would find hope. And some of you are the you're the answer to the prayers. You're, you're, the, you're the, the reason that you were reached was because of the vision and the generosity of the leadership of, of Hope Church and the people of Hope. And, and we're saying, there's more people out there. We're not going to close the doors and say, sorry, we're full. We're going to say, yeah, we'll, we'll make more room. We're going to find a way to make more room. We're going to open the table up, put more leaves in it, put more chairs around it. And we're going to do this thing. We can't do it without you. So the polls are open. It's time to vote. Congregation voted yes. A number of people have already voted and they voted yes. I don't know. We'll see. The next few days and weeks and months are going to determine how the rest of you will vote. I hope you'll be part of this. But I just want to close with this last statement. If we Christians really believe that life is short and eternity is long, then the most logical way to deal with money and possessions is to live simply and to give generously. The most logical way to live, if we believe that that, that life on this earth is a grain of sand and life in heaven is forever, is to live simply. And give generously. You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You got to wrestle with that. You got to wrestle with that. Allow the Holy Spirit to wrestle with. Don't get caught up with Matt said this or Matt. It's not me. Whatever I said that that was right, let it hit your heart. Whatever was wrong, just let it go off as dross. Just let forget it. All right. But you have to wrestle with that. If you want to be a follower of Christ. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. And Father, that is my prayer. That whatever I've said that's been um, unhelpful, chaff, may it be blown away and forgotten immediately. I pray that your spirit would take the word as it was given out. And it would bring it to our hearts that your Holy Spirit would bring it to each of our hearts in the way it needs to be brought, and that we would win a battle of generosity. That maybe Christians in general aren't seen as generous, but the people of hope are. The Christians, the Christ followers of hope are seen as generous. They're seen as as people who are making room at the table for more seen as willing to sacrifice for the greater cause of reaching people for your kingdom, that we're on a mission, your mission, that you haven't called us back off the field, we're still on, and that we're to give our very best 
to you. Father, whatever work you need to do in each of our hearts, do that work. And help us to grow in this really important area of generosity. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.